Welcome to Talk Purpose and Truth with Eden and Kim, shifting you into higher consciousness, the show that elevates, uplifts, and encourages listeners to grow, heal, awaken, and evolve. Eden and Kim include bold topics, special interviews with inspiring guests, intuitive readings, channeled messages from beyond, including celebrities, hot topics to expand your awareness, and time for questions from the audience. Tune in for unprecedented truth, authenticity, on-purpose discussions, and magical moments. Hello, everybody. It's Eden and Kim, episode eight. We are so excited to be here, and thank you for listening all this time and subscribing. This week's topic is there's nothing but life after death experiences, after life experiences, but there is a little bit about death and how we see it. And we were talking the other day, Eden and I, and I was saying that, you know, my dad shifted into really being open to, you know, having a medium reading with Eden and, and just believing in, in the afterlife and, and connections and intuition and things probably like maybe 25 years ago. I feel like he really wasn't a believer before that. And what happened was his mother had passed around when I was 21 and I'm 45 now. So my grandmother had passed around then and she was really close to him and she was a worrier. And so we had a number of experiences happen after she passed, only for about a year and a half, and then they stopped. So I think she's more at peace now. We've She's come through a few times in talking to us, but we haven't had these earthly experiences with her. But some of the experiences were so profound that it made my dad a believer. And so I'll just name a couple of them. And so there was a slot machine in it. She'd be in his office a lot in our house for some reason. She just would worry about him working too much. And so he had three experiences in his office. He had a slot machine that was broken. She used to play it, and it ended up breaking soon after she passed and didn't work anymore. And after she passed, it would turn on and start playing by itself regularly. <laughs> so that was one. Another one was he had a tie, his favorite tie. He was working a lot at that time, overworking. I feel like back then he was kind of a workaholic, and she would worry about that. And so after she passed, he had his tie hanging on her chair she would sit on in his office, and the tie disappeared. It just never showed up again. It was gone, and he never found it again. He, had, he knew he had left it there. He looked all over the house for probably a year. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And so then the third thing was he had a phone bill in his hand and he was stressed out because it was the wrong amount. He dropped the phone bill and saw it disappear into the air. Uh. And so that was three. But then the last thing that there was more, but just to summarize, the last thing was the most crazy, I feel. So I had these old 1940s, 1950s movie magazines, um, just collector's items in my room. And I wasn't living there, but I would go stay over there quite often. And so that night I chose to go stay over there. And so those magazines were still in a drawer in my room and hadn't thought about them in years. I wake up in the morning and one of the magazines is on the floor open. And I thought, okay, did my mom and dad or mom come read a magazine while I'm sleeping? <laughs> What's going on? So I pick it up going, going downstairs, mom and dad, why is there this magazine open? And my dad looks at it like, let me look at this. Let me look at this magazine closely. It was open to a cartoon called Peggy. That was his mother's name. <laughs> and then the year and the month of the magazine was the year and the month of his birth. Wow. And so wow. we knew that that was her 
sending a message and now oh, I'm getting yeah. chills. You know when you get goosebumps that means it's true. Right. So so those were just some experiences and then and then there was one other thing no, nothing to do with her. I've had so many of these and it's just it gives you that validation that they, you know, there is no ending to life. Life just keeps going on. There's just different realms and different experiences and different ways of communicating. And we have some special guests that are going to go into that more that are coming up. But I, I was telling Eden, I remember nearby, we, we, live in, we lived in the valley at the time, and, and we lived near Knollwood Country Club. And so some friends and I were about 19. We drove my car to this house for just stupid kid stuff where the people had been killed. And there was some yellow tape around the house. And my silly friend ends up getting out of the car and ringing the doorbell. And the lights in the house turned on and off, thought maybe that's just sensors. So she runs back to my car and gets in the car. And I take off. And all of a sudden, my car lifts completely off the ground for about five seconds. And we all went like this. (gasps) And then the car landed. And I said, everybody be quiet. Everybody be quiet. I'm pulling over. And I said, when I say one, two, three, I want you to all say what just happened. And all four of us said the car lifted completely off the ground and then landed. And so we all knew that I don't know if it was a warning or just, you know, an experience or what, but we all experienced that it was not our imagination that something like that had happened. And then, you know, Eden and I are talking and she's a medium. So she, you know, I channel some, but she's a medium. So she gets crazy amounts of communication constantly when she wants to. And sometimes celebrities, you know, spirit guides, all kinds of things. And so I encouraged her. She has this one really powerful story of a celebrity and so I wanted her to share that one, if you're so daring, Eden. <laughs> <laughs> okay, if you insist. Um, okay, so my story is about Michael Jackson. So uh, he passed away yesterday, 10 years ago. And in my house, he actually was just my husband's favorite. He grew up loving Michael Jackson. Um, so it was just a, we've always felt a connection with him. Um, so it was devastating when he passed away. So shortly after he passed, I want to say maybe a year or so, um, we were watching, I think it was like American Idol, and they had a Michael Jackson night. And um, then I turned and I saw him in the doorway. I saw, and it, it was like just the, the light, but it was also like the silhouette of him. But I saw what he was wearing, and he had one of those like Sergeant Pepper's little jackets on that he used to wear mm-hmm. um, with all the buttons. And his hair was kind of long like it was when he was in his prime. And he had a huge smile on his face. And he just gave me the sense that he's finally free. And he was happy. Mm-hmm. And that from that point on, he was going to connect with me. So fast forward to some time later, um, my kids had some friends over and they were playing in the backyard. And we had at this house um, a solarium with a bunch of windows. It was all, it was made up of windows, top to bottom. And they were playing with a ball outside. And I was up in my bedroom where I could see them from my window. And they had... um, I guess they threw the ball up and it landed on the top or the roof of the solarium. Um, while that was going on, I had no clue this was happening. 
um, I was I often would just sit while I was alone and, and write because I channel through automatic writing. So I was writing and I was feeling like Michael Jackson was coming through. And he was just talking about uh, just general things that were going on with me. And he always helped me. Um, but this time he the, the conversation changed and he said, don't worry, I will help them with the ball. I didn't know who he was talking about. Um, and then we I finished sometime later, they came in running in the house to tell me what happened. So what ended up happening was this ball went on top of the roof. And, you know, these kids are in, I think, around 10, eight and 10 years old. They're not they're they're kids. They're young. And they uh, there were four of them. And there was there were three girls, one boy. So the boy said, I'm going to go up on the, on the roof and I'm going to get the ball. So they all went along with it. Crazy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and so he said, here, push me, you know, lift me up and, and kind of push me onto the roof. And it was like 10 feet high. So there was no human way for them to do it without a ladder. So he kind of got on their shoulders, and uh, but he was still only halfway up. Then suddenly, they, the girls all felt um, his feet lift from their hands. And he just all of a sudden ended up on the top of the roof. So he gets the ball, but then the question was, how is he going <laughs> to oh get gosh. down? Yeah. But he kind of went the same way. He, he put his feet over, and then he just ended up on the ground. Whoa. On his two feet. <laughs> He wasn't hurt. Wow. <laughs> so uh, he then, had some help. Right. So I t- then I put together why Michael said to me that, don't worry, I'm going to help them get the ball. Wow. So he lifted yeah. him up. Oh, Come my on. gosh. Ooh, yeah. That's quite a story. <laughs> oh my well, yeah. and, and what's, you know, what's interesting, too, is that um, we found out later that the reason Prince found us, because Eden was not even like a Prince fan and barely knew anything about Prince. And he came through in the beginning three years ago and said Michael Jackson had told him about Eden. Right. <laughs> and then we, me and Eden were connected. So they found us and knew we were open to okay. do this work. Right. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, so, Michael. Yeah. Oh gosh. Love it's, you. It's very interesting. Anything is possible. So with that, we, we have some really unique special guests here. I'm very excited. I've known them for quite a few years. And these are some really magical women we have here. So Betty Kovacs and Kimberly Saavedra. Um, Betty, Betty received her PhD from University of California, Irvine in comparative literature and theory of symbolic mythic language. She has studied and taught in Europe and the US. She taught literature writing and symbolic mythic language for 25 years and has served many years as chair and program chair on the board of directors of the Young Society of Claremont in California and sits on the academic advisory board of Forever Family Foundation. She's written many books, um, including The Miracle of Death, There is Nothing But Life, Merchants of Life, The Consciousness That is Changing the World, and others. And her books are available at kamlak.com and through bookstores. Kimberly Saavedra is the owner and director of the Camlack Center, a publishing company and teaching center that focuses on survival of consciousness, transformation of grief, and deeper orders of reality. She was born and raised in Southern California and graduated from University of California, Los Angeles with a Bachelor of Arts in Philosophy in 1997. In pursuit of her degree, she encountered Dr. Betty J. Kovacs, whose work and passion struck a deep chord. That meeting inspired her to create the Camlack Center in 2002 as a platform to 
share the vision, research, and personal experiences of Dr. Kovacs with a wider audience. The most gratifying aspect of Kimberly's work through the Camelot Center is hearing from people who share their life stories and extraordinary unexplained experiences. So welcome, Kimberly and Betty. I'm so honored to have you here. And your energies here are just like, I get tingles. I'm getting this magical energy from you both. So, and so much authenticity. So tell me what else I forgot. I know you've known each other forever and you can just feel the vibes between you. Kimberly. (laughs) Well, I found her in the classroom. (laughs) And um, I was in her uh, college English class in 1992. And we became friends because it had to be that way. I was going to be this lady's friend. <laughs> she was just one of those people who your heart just like go boom. You're, you're done. We're you here. You guys are already making okay. me cry. <laughs> so, um, and, I'm grateful for that. For uh, sure. And I learned very early on as, as we started to meet now and then for a coffee on a break or an after a class or something that she had had some very um, unique experiences or unique from my perspective. Um, and from my experience, uh, and so she was telling me about ex- stories that reflected her husband's and her experiences leading up to and after their only child, their son Pishti's death at age 20. Mm. So um, and that was the beginning of a beautiful friendship, and it just has opened so many different avenues to understanding more about life and um, more about what it means to be in touch after someone leaves a physical dimension. So I was just committed. I was there. I'm done. <laughs> it, felt, it felt like a calling. What's next? Yeah, right. I'm, I'm in. I'm not sure where it's going, but I'm going to help you to share this because people need to know this. And I think that was the semester after my son, Pishti, died. So it was right after. Right. Um, and, uh, and after my husband died a couple of years later, um, she was the only one I could talk with mm. about those things. I mean... Students really had a much greater opening than many of the faculty, <laughs> yeah. because so many of the faculty, they were loving and kind and supportive, but they were pretty much frozen in a materialistic worldview, mm-hmm. and Kim was open. And I found the students, because they had gone through, many of them had gone through all kinds of things that they told me to. So. And I was just thinking when you said anything is possible, that one of the experiences that my husband had after our son died, and we had many, many experiences with him uh, after his death, uh, one was that he was in Peru, my husband, sitting on a mountain looking out over the sea. And so the sky and the sea blended. And Pishti said to him, Dad, you see that horizon? Even that is not the limit. Wow. <laughs> oh. But, you know, I have to admit, at that time, I thought I, I thought of a thousand different limits right away. And I'm happy to say that I have grown beyond that, that I now know that that is possible. But at the time, I still had, as open as I thought I was, I still had limits. And I think that's one of the things we have to do in life is to let those limits melt. Mm. And so that all of these phenomenal things can happen. Wow. Well, did your grief take over at that time? No. um, As Kim said, uh, my son died when he was 20. He was in a car accident on the 210 freeway. And he was in uh, Huntington Hospital in the trauma ward for 13. And that was an incredible experience. The girl he loved, Jenny, uh, was 19. It was huge for her. And they'd finally, you know, found each other. (laughs) And it's, it's... 
still an experience for her. But uh, my husband Ishtvan and I had had experiences before his death. In fact, when I look back at my dream journals, I saw that for two years, I had been recording dreams of his death. And then in the dream, it would be, oh, no, it's not his death. It was my good friend's son. Mm. And there were so many dreams like that. And I'm so grateful I recorded them. But uh, in, in the dream in which the son of my friend died, I grieved so deeply as if it were my son. Mm -hmm. And in actually many of the dreams, I did grieve. And I realized later I had gone through a grief process even before his death. And um, but when he died, my husband and I both had continued to have until my husband's death. And I had experiences after his death. We had profound experiences with him. And actually, my husband had an experience about two weeks before his death, he was in his office working, and suddenly he saw Pishti's car on the side of the freeway, and he saw his body superimposed on the car. Oh, wow. And he knew he was dead because he was superimposed. It was another dimension. And he was just horrified. And then suddenly he said, oh, that's right, Pishti. It's almost time for you to do this. Oh, my gosh. And then that was so horrifying to him. But then Pishti said to him, that's right, Dad, I'll be out of the house for a little while. Oh. And so and we realized later that that little while was uh, just while he was going through the death process. And then the day that we had the memorial, he was in the hospital two weeks. And then the next week we had the memorial. After that, he came through, and he continued to come through, mm. either through music, meditation, once I was in a music store and I, I was I heard music and it it was so profound I had to sit down and after the music played I asked the woman at the counter what music it was and it was Miracles, wow. <laughs> of so I bought it I went home and I put it on his room he had actually created as a meditation room before he died without wow. it he had painted it white and he had Susan Boulay's uh, shamanistic paintings on the wall and I put the music on in there and. I just was drawn into there, and I quickly lay down on the bed, and he was so present wow. and explaining his death and and helping us, he said, to remember. Like, we knew, and we'd all agreed in another dimension, and why it was important at this time, given what the world was going through, why he and others were dying and going to the other side and getting in touch with so many. Wow. Is mm-hmm. it, is it help? What was it for? Well, it was that we were in such a state having a worldview that there's nothing but matter and that we're a fluke of nature and there's no meaning, no purpose in life. Wow. We cannot live with that. And we're destroying the world mm-hmm. because of that. And he said many people are coming into life and going back into the other dimension, having deep contacts here. And they're coming through to to really bring about that awareness that that there's nothing but life and that birth and death are events in time and space and that we are eternal, mm-hmm. immortal, mm-hmm. immortal. Mm-hmm. So profound. So I remember reading about Betty White, the actress, 
Betty White. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. I remember reading in her autobiography that she doesn't need to date or be with men because since her husband died, <laughs> she, <laughs> in, since 1987, she communicates with him every day, talks to him, sees him, experiences him. Um, so w- would you say you have a similar situation with your husband? You know, I would have to say that the first years were so powerful and they were so present present and they were it's just so many things and questions I had about reality they we would talk about. Mm-hmm. And it was very strong for well, two years after my son died and then two years later my husband died. So it was about, it was a while, a year or two, that they were still both very strong. But they always came together, mm, and I could not wow. really quite even distinguish them at a given point. But I have to say that it's uh, it's different now. But I I had an experience in which they said, you really think you could, you could lose us, get rid of us? Uh-huh. <laughs> he said, you know, when you love, there's that connection in the heart. And there's no way. Uh, to be part. There's no way that in the universe you can be separated. And in quantum physics, that's known mm-hmm. that two come together, no matter where in the universe, they're still connected. Well, oh. love never dies. It, mm-hmm. it never dies. It's, right. uh, we continue. And so it was kind of, they were very funny together. You know, you couldn't get rid of us if you wanted to. But it's not, it's not that kind of thing that it was at first. But I think I needed that because I had, uh, I just had to to open myself and be in that dimension as well as this one. So I feel that in all the work I've I've done, they're with me. Yeah. And they've uh, I just feel their presence, but and if I ask a question, it'll come but in a different way. The the other was so dramatic and wonderful that okay. I needed that at that right. time. Was it was it telepathic or was it visual or how do you how would you back then <laughs> and then now it seems like it's more telepathic or sensory? Telepathic, yes. Yeah. Um, at the time, uh, my husband actually uh, could see Pishti. He had the images he saw, and so did Jenny, his girlfriend. Wow. And, um, but I think it was important that I not have the image because uh, I always knew where in the room he was, and, but the, what he was saying was absolutely specifically clear. Uh, but there was one time when I thought I was doing so well, and my husband said, you know, Pishti said, you need to pull up the anchor. Mm. And I said, but I thought I had. Mm. And he said, no, there's still more to do. He said, if you pull up the anchor, you'll see that the ship can move so much faster and you'll be even more with him. Oh, yeah. said, like, like, I get no. messages like that for people yeah. too. Yeah. yeah, it's just so important to let them be free and right. create on that side because you are yeah. connected. They feel like they might lose them though, yeah, the, yeah. the connection. Oh, there's that huge. So they have to hold on tightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even when I thought I wasn't, <laughs> I right. was. Right. But I think, yeah, it is that, that letting go and uh, and the image because for the mother with a child, it, you know, we're so connected to that image and the physical. Mm-hmm. And it was like, no, I had to, I had to, let that go too so it was but it was very clear for those and now it's as I said more telepathic and and I I had an experience in which I was I went through what I thought oh that's what people go through when they're not in touch with them it was horrible and a friend of mine was uh, I had brought her here from Hungary back she's still here now she studied here and that weekend I thought I was gonna die (laughs) and then uh, we watched a film and then after the film she went somewhere and and then I could hear them laughing, saying, it's okay if we come back now? Mm. <laughs> and it was like, it said, the fact that you don't feel that way is, a, is a, the fact that we're here, we're with you. When you, you. We had to do that so you would know what it feels like. Mm-hmm. 
but we're here. That's amazing. Wow. And you, Kimberly, you have those experiences as well, have you? No, I haven't. You know, I had a couple of uh, pretty strange things, I thought. One was tied to when I had um, had a breakup with the person I had uh, shortly thereafter married, and I was just down on my knees. I was crying and sobbing and begging and praying and just (laughs) was like, I don't know, I was like 20, Mm -hmm. and, you know, my heart was broken. And I just got this flash, and I don't know how exactly I knew, but I knew I wasn't alone in the room, and I just identified it with, you know, I just thought it was God or Jesus mm-hmm. or somebody just kind of flashed some kind of energy, and I just knew I wasn't alone, and somehow I thought, okay, so I just know that we're not alone. Mm, like support. Yes. That's It was awesome. just something, yeah, kind of unnameable, that's, but just that's important. a sense of, yeah. of some some support from the spirit world. Yeah, mm. that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, I think all of this is just so encouraging for the listeners because everybody, you know, a lot of people get caught up in just death and they're gone and that's that and I'm devastated and there's no hope and, you know, and mm-hmm. and it's, it's sad because they actually, if they would open themselves up, they have this chance to still have a continued relationship with their loved ones or friends. And even on a sometimes on such a deeper level because on the other side they are remembering and knowing from such a different perspective and they can help us to have that perspective it's, yeah i must say just a moment about uh, jenny his girlfriend uh is that one of the experiences she had is that they were sitting she was with him on the beach they were together and she said i thought you died and he said oh i was i i, I was supposed to have wasn't i oh my <laughs> but God. he said you see i'm not and he picked her up and they ran into the ocean and he said oh jenny i have so much to tell you oh wow, oh, wow. where is she today well, she is living in Claremont. She has a daughter. She married. She's married. So, well, and yes, they married and then divorced, but they're very good friends, and they had a wonderful daughter who's a senior in high school this year, and we've all remained close. Wow. Uh, good. Family. I was hoping to hear that. Yes. Oh. yes. Well, it's like I, a movie. People yeah. would say, oh, you, you've got to let her go. She could. And so I told her that two or three times. She said, if you ever say that to me again, I'm going to be really mad. Yeah. And her parents even said, no, we're friends for life. And so we have been friends, and her daughter, friends, and the men she married they were all part of a circle that my son was part of too so it's nice so it's special yeah it did kind of work out well nice so so betty you have a a book coming out can you tell us about that yes this is uh well the first book uh the miracle of death there's nothing but life was about all of those experiences that ishvan and i had um and other people in his life and that was important because we actually recorded everything we experienced because I wanted it to be accurate. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want it to be published by someone who would uh, sensationalize. Ex- sensationalize it. Mm-hmm. And so Kim said, well, I'm just going to form a company and I'll publish it. Oh, and cool. so, <laughs> so that was the first book. It was our experiences, accurate experiences that we had after death in which it completely uh, did away with any fear of death that I ever could have had. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the, the book that I've written now has been, what, 15, 16 years since that I've been doing research and writing. And uh, it's, um, it's about how the Western world really did emerge out of cultures. The roots of Western culture are in shaman, mystic, scientist traditions. Wow. These shamans and mystics were scientists, and they, they were mathematicians. 
And they were either repressed, suppressed by the Church of Rome and state, or some of them were just lost through the vicissitudes of history. But in the 20th century, scholars discovered these civilizations exactly when we need them, right? Mm -hmm, To realize this is who we are, and they carry the blueprint for our evolution. Wow. And of course, as someone who read the book said, "This is the book has the secrets that the pa- priest of the patriarchy tried to hide, mm. uh, so that they could have power. But this oh. is the power that each of us has. It's who we are. That we are immortal. We are divine, and we are the creators in the universe. Wow. It reminds me of our book with Prince. Yeah, it's similar. Wow. Yeah." Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I have so much, the most chills I've ever gotten doing an interview with anyone. <laughs> like, I'm like, just. Well, you. we want to hear about Woo. Prince when, it, when it's possible. Yeah. Well, you know, it, it reminded and me. the it, other. It reminded me um, when you said that they have the, so much knowledge up there. Then when we were first talking to Prince, Eden and I, when we first were talking with Prince, he would bring up things from our past like familiar mm. guys we both dated and we didn't know. We mm-hmm. said, Wait, you dated him too? And he knew. <laughs> you know, things from our past oh that gosh. we forgot about and told us to talk about. <laughs> you two need to talk about these things together. Right. And so they really know. It, it really is crazy how much they know. But we, we do have to sign off and we are blessed and just honored you both are here. Mm. Thank you so much. And Thank can you. you give your website again on how to find you? www com. It's K-A-M-L-A-K.com. And the title of that new book is Merchants of Light, The Consciousness That Is Changing the World. And when is that yeah. book released? September 9th. Perfect. September okay. 9th. Okay. And it's coming out. The ML, by the way, is from Merchants, Merchants of, of Light. Light. I discovered that only after we had named it that they were involved in the naming of the company. Oh, oh that's oh, how well, we were. That's work. another story. Yeah, we, we have no, we a work. lot of that, too. The title of our podcast was named by Michael Jackson. Oh, my God. Yeah, and it has <laughs> oh consciousness in it, too. That's yeah, right. It should right. bring you into higher consciousness. That's right. That is great. So, awesome. well, thank you for being here, and I just... I feel just full of excitement, uh, and we wanted to we wanted to thank our producer Scott, and you can find him. His music is all throughout our web or podcast, and you can find him on YouTube. Scott Walton, Wandering Soul, just beautiful, oh, beautiful, beautiful music. Oh, I love the and we're excited to see you on the other side in episode nine. We have a special guest, Lindy. Yes. And she, what does she, she do? Well, she's a former LAPD detective, but she's also an author, and she's written books on cold cases but they are actually they're fiction so (laughs) they're but they're based on but she's had she's had people that have she's seen murdered and passed on come through during medium readings to give her messages of what really happened right things like that she's going to talk about how one of the readings our first reading together um, one of the uh, girls that was victimized came through and helped her to heal from the uh, the guilt of not being able to find the killer. So, so that'll be episode it's, nine. It's going to be profound. So oh, thank you all for listening. Thank you. Bye. Yeah, bye. Thank you. Thank you. For more information on Eden, go to EdenSuston.com. For more information on Kim, go to KimLifeCoach.com. Make sure to follow them on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Talk Purpose and Truth Podcast. If you loved this episode, you'll love every episode. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss anything. Thank you for listening.